cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. Ground is soft, it's not. It's oh, it's not heavy. Soft on time, so it's, it's heavy. Okay. And a very big warm welcome to the Bar Inquiry Sunday Sermon. My name's Lee Keys of systembet.co.uk, and joining me for an action packed show with some brilliant questions from yourselves. We do thank you for these. They make the show, and we're very excited to be discussing them. So, joining me is John Lang from John Joe's Blogspot, my partner in crime. Good evening, John. Evening, Al. Yeah, and also, last but not least, now a permanent fixture due to his due to his fanboys uh, on YouTube. <laughs> it's Lord Malvo, Lord Malvo, Chris, as he likes to be fondly known, won't give his full name in case his employer uh, gives give, gives him what for. Uh, after, yes, after opening his mind on on this pod, um, quite right. Yes. So, welcome to the show, boys. Do, do you know, mate? Uh, yeah. We, we received just short of three hundred letters. Requesting that we make Chris a regular part of the show. Yeah. And really, anybody that will write maybe 300 letters deserves to be part of the show. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. 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 Letters, yeah. <laughs> Winning the lottery keeps everything there. Yeah. yeah, quite right. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of these user accounts popping up saying how good he is, etc. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. He's got more bot accounts than the fucking Tardy pair. <laughs> Yeah, exactly and China. Right. All, all, all run from Russia as well. Yeah, all the troll accounts. Yeah, yeah, make America great again, I say. <laughs> Good stuff. Right, on to uh, the first subject of the day, which is obviously a review of yesterday's uh, racing. And um, obviously, I didn't think it was a great spectacle, obviously, because I didn't back any winners. But certainly, I'm not really a fan of this absolutely terrible ground where they just it's all slow motion finishes and they're all knackered. It, I don't, I don't think it's a great spectacle, spectacle for racing. And I think, you know, if, if you've got casual race, go uh, race watchers say on ITV and, and you know, they're watching, they're watching them absolutely legless on the runnings. I don't think it really sells the sport chaps. What do, what do we think? Personally, I'd rather watch a fire at an orphanage than uh, <laughs> like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, there were two finishes, I think, that, that probably broke people's hearts yesterday. Certainly, it did me. Um, but Topville Ben um, in the Rendlesham, uh, yeah. you, know, he, you know, you can't believe he's got beat 13 lengths. It's like, he's tra- it's, it's, it's travelling, you know, it, it's clear of Holstone, and you're thinking, well, yeah, it's done it, it's done it. And then ends up getting slammed 13 lengths, and it stops to not stops to walk on the running. And then poor old Bristol Demai. Um you know, I mean, you know, everyone's thinking, you know, that's it. It's 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 five clear two out. Yeah, sure. Oh, Chris, did he go in running? Do you know? I'm not sure because I didn't. That's the one race I was that sick of Haydock by then. Um, that's the one race I didn't I didn't bother in running. So I, I wasn't even watching the screen. I was just watching the race. Um, but I would imagine you'd imagine fairly short topville ben i actually i backed and and i did lay out so it didn't cost me anything but you know i felt sorry for the guy that had took all my 1.27 um topville ben um there is before the rental show i mean I, I, it's just not great spectacle like i said it, I, I like to see the best horse winning and on both occasions i'm not so sure the best horse has ended up winning do you would you agree with that the best horse probably didn't get round <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. No. 
I mean, I mean that that's that's the thing all day. It's, it's I, like I said, I'm not a fan of. It's sort of reviewing these races, but um, oh, there, there's one monster. I, I mean, I know it won at even money, and it, and probably blogger was all over it and stuff like that. But Hillcrest, um, I mean, if ever I was impressed with a horse, it's this one going forwards in terms of. Uh, he won the Albert Bartlett Prestige Chaps, the 350 at ADOC. And, and what impressed me was he didn't lift his legs at any of the hurdles. He couldn't be asked to jump the hurdles. He's that big. He just can't be asked to jump the hurdles. And, and yet he still powers round, uh, gallops all day. Um, he's seven now. Um, we, I, I, I don't understand why they're even over hurdles. I mean, I just think it's a waste. I mean, this lad wants to be over fences because I think he'll be, I'll be, he'll be 20 pounds better over fences. I think he can be like top class over fences. I really do. I, I don't know what they're doing. Why would you waste time over hurdles now? It's boring. The horse, the horse gets bored. You, you, you could see that in running. He just, he, he didn't even want to lift his legs. He thought, oh, what's this? Another plank of wood in the way. You know, I just think make him concentrate, make it, you know, put some fences in the way. What, what horse this could be over fences, Hillcrest? Very exciting, but again, he's already seven, so... When I mean, stand with him, as they said. You what, John? Sorry. Where are they going next time? Have they said? I've not read anything. Um, I mean, obviously he's entered up at, at Cheltenham, but I'd be amazed if he turns up there after that slog. Yeah. I, I mean, why would you? Why? So what? What, what are we on? Nineteenth of February. So he's got he's got less than four weeks uh, for the uh, either the Ballymore or just over four weeks for the Albert Bartlett. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be asked running there. I just I just I what's the point? Again, again, people can ruin good horses, and I just think I, I just think I I'd sack hurdles off now. It's just a waste of time. You're just wasting time. You could be over fences. Here's one, it, here's one for the one point I won back is how many winners have you trained? Right. Listen, <laughs> they know what they're doing, these people. They're experts. <laughs> I'm with it. Right. <laughs> there you are. My, my punters have all copped on that one now, so we'll be well, we'll be eating chips with gravy tonight on the one point oh one. Well, the, the, uh, just reading a quote now while while we're online, uh, Henry Dale has actually said, "You would think Albert Bartlett would be the target, or perhaps the Sefton at Aintree." Um, you know, I mean, basically, right. So he, he's actually stated before. This is Henry Dale, who has trained a lot of decent chasers. Um, you know, like like. Uh, uh, was it Bacchanal he trained? Can't think of any, can you? <laughs> Bacchanal. Yeah. Bacchanal, yeah. I think, was won, won the won the Felton, the Couto star at Kempton. And he's, he's quoted as saying, my measuring stick goes to 18 hands and it doesn't get to the top of Hillcrest. So what the hell are you, are you doing running this horse so long over hurdles? I think, you know, I know, I know he's probably been quite backward and raw, hence he only made his debut in a bumper last winter. You know his age, so I get that. So f- fine, do it for this season. Don't burn him out. Um, I, I I just think you've. The thing is, what are they going to do as an eight-year-old? What's what's he going to? He's going to run in the Royal Sun Alliance next year as an eight-year-old, then try and win a gold cup at nine-year-old. I just get on with it. Get just get on with it. Get get on with get on with fencing. And, and he's a superstar of fences, this lad, but. What do I know? Like you say, how many winners have I trained? <laughs> yeah, right. So, anyway, Ascot, uh, anything that took your eye that day, this day? Um, obviously, I tell you what, that good risk at all that won the um, the handicap hurdle. 
crikey. I mean, it's won nine lengths off 127. You'd say that looked 150, didn't it? I thought 150, would you say, put on that performance? It's tiny. Yeah. I mean, obviously the ground exacerbates things and, and you know, you know, you can know it's like it's like when an horse dots up thirty lengths at Foss Last, you know, you you can't go to bed with it. But he's 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 got the engine from the bumpers and he was always gonna be decent um if he jumped and he jumped very well. You're just worried that like what you would classed as the only two dangers seriously underperformed on the ground, didn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, this is French bread, so yeah. You could you could find this horse is an entirely different proposition of a revised mark in, say, three weeks' time when the ground's riding noticeably different. Yeah, I mean, end of the day, Christopher Wood was second, and Christopher Wood is is what he is. Um, though he has changed from the death camp Paul Nichols to Venetia Williams, so maybe he was running at peak, um, you know, John's favourite trainer. And, um, uh, yeah... I'm saying that horse could go could go a long way in handicap hurdles, but the handicapper's going to have his say there. Um, I think Jim McGraw was on the on at the races saying that he thinks he'll go up about about nine or ten pounds, but I, I don't know. I think he might go up more than that, but we'll see. Fakir Duderi's put in a good round of jumping and end up, ended up winning uh, the the the, the Betfair Ascot Chase. Don't think we learned anything there for the Ryanair. He had the run of the race for me. They went very hard up front. Obviously, they burnt off Dashel Drasher. Uh, everything exactly. hard winning on slop as well, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Um. I, I don't think we've learned anything towards Cheltenham, to be honest, for for anything on on the Saturdays, unless anyone spotted anything out the back of the tellies, um, for for maybe some of the handicaps, maybe. But apart from that, I don't think we've learned anything. It shows how weak the stayers division d- division is at the moment. We, we've got no class stayers. We've got no two milers. We've not got anything. <laughs> we've got no two. We, we're struggling. The company's right. bad. Yeah, it pretty is really. I mean, Edward Stone, I'm a massive fan. That's the Arkle winner for me. Um, but regards to a, a champion chaser, obviously Shishkin uh, will, will do well in that. But the two mile hurdle division, I mean... Honeysuckle may as well. Is lap? Is it a lap of honour, John? It is for me. Yeah. And if but, it's not, the danger will come from Ireland anyway. Yes, indeed. Um, right. Okay. So that's enough about yesterday. Uh, just, just uh, we'll touch on something that happened today, which was um, the Laura Morgan Yard uh, landing a big uh, plunge up at Musselburgh, and yeah. obviously two very well laid out horses. Um, well done to that team, owned by Alan Rogers, dirty Alan Rogers, the former Not- Nottingham Forest player. <laughs> Absolutely filled his boots today as Alan. Al- the, the, the cash there flowing out of his pockets, you know, he's absolutely unbelievable. He must he must have won fortunes, Alan Rogers. Um, Champ is real, uh, was the first one of his double. Um, that was 11 pounds out of the handicap and went off five to four. And, um, you know, that certainly set the ball rolling. And I think the more impressive one, even though that did it okay, um, uh, was the, the the second one, which was clear the runway. I thought that was very impressive. That He could have won by about 40 lengths on that if it had pushed the button three out. Um, again, he's, we need to d- discuss, is this good for racing? Now, obviously, there's lots of people that love gambles and, and why not? I mean, I've had I've had Twitter debates on it before and people's people's fallen out with me over this. Um 
gambles are they good are they good for racing in general chaps i mean is this good chris i'll come to you what's your what's your thoughts on a good old-fashioned gamble well i mean it's good to see i mean i think from a purely uh, selfish perspective it's it's i would if i had the cash uh, uh to, to, to buy horses and the patience to, to keep them in training yeah i'd do exactly the same so i'm not going to be a hypocrite but you know the, the gambles are allowed because the system allows the system allows people uh, to gull the handicap, right? You know, whatever the BHA say about the resources they're pouring into uh, the regulatory aspect, you know, the, the fact that these punts are allowed to continue, you know, people are going to take advantage of the system. So it's inevitable. While you've got a, a pretty police force or a, a complete absence of proper stewarding and, 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 and regulation, they're going to do it. And, it yeah. and I think it's getting worse, actually. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's back to the bad old days of, you know, Betfair Eddie and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But but there's more punts. There's more punts landed this season than I can remember in previous seasons because the system allows that to happen. So is it good for the sport overall? No, of course it isn't. Public can't have confidence in the game when, you know, horses that are uh, out the back of the telly are, are dotting up with the application of cash. So, but from a personal perspective, yeah, it's good to see. But overall, no, it's crap, isn't it? John, would you come in on this? What's 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 your thoughts on? You know, I mean, do we like? Are we overcritical sometimes? I mean, I mean, look at look at for example, JP McManus will do it. Uh, the bigger owners sometimes will do it. Um, you know, I, I, Alan Rogers obviously successful in his own right, and in he, his playing career, he's at obviously the smaller end of the owner spectrum. But you know, are, are we being unfair? To say Alan Rogers to say this is not really cricket. No, um, I don't. I don't think we've been unfair. Um, but that said, the system lends itself to it. Um, I mean, for me, the, the the reason it lends itself to it is the woeful standard of handicapping in this country. Yeah. Um, I mean. You can run a horse four or five times out the back over a woefully inadequate trip and watch the mark come down two to three pounds for each run. Now, if that was a legit run and you're taking it at face value, you're dropping that horse, so you're saying it, it's done something where you can equate a rating to it, you should be dropping the bloody thing 45 pounds Yeah. if that's a legitimate run. If not... Leave the bloody thing alone and make them, make them be competitive before you revise that figure. I don't know if you've noticed, but the, if you look at the Irish handicapper, um, he probably has to be a bit more shrewd. <laughs> um, and if, if you look at whoever does does the handicap hurdles and chases over there, I, I've, I've seen horses at JPs that will say win, I don't know, win sort of 18 months ago. And then they just have him float up after float up. Yeah. <laughs> they've had about seven runs and they've dropped five pounds. Yeah. You know. As if to say, well, we know what you're doing, so we're yeah. not. We're, you're so not playing well. And really, I mean, he's looking at dropping them five pounds in seven runs. Mm. You know, because what, what? I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of this revising the mark all the time. If it, if they've had their balls out and they're showing you what they can do. That's what they can do, yeah. You know, don't be dropping them down again. You know, I mean, let the trainer try and improve the bloody things, not ask about out the back and stitching everybody up. 
yeah. I think in reality, whatever they're dropped, I think that that's almost irrelevant. I think any of these horses have got so much in hand in terms of their ability that giving the horses a float up is less about getting them dropped two and three pounds, but more in, in terms of concealing their ability. I think a lot of these horses could, could land punts being dropped nothing. But, you know, they run them four or five times to give the illusion that the horses have no ability to get a price. Yeah, and it's a bonus if, you know, you get five or six pounds off the back. They yeah. can push the button at any time. I think it's, I think that's a bit of a smoke screen. I think the float up is there just to, just to hide the ability rather than to, to benefit from a reduced handicap mark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it brings us on to handicap marks and Declan Carroll, not the trainer, not the trainer. He's a listener and he, he's caught with a, che- a good question. And he said, you can debut in a handicap chase off a hurdle mark. <clears throat> but you can't run a horse in a handicap chase of an all, of an all-weather mark. Now, I, I agree with this because they are two very different disciplines. There's absolutely no correlation for me between a, a hurdle mark and a chase mark. It's probably closer than probably an all-weather mark. Um, but nevertheless, um, I do find it extraordinary that, that, um, that over in the UK that obviously you can just switch to fences and you know, from a mark of, I don't know, 98 over a little straight to fences. And it's a different discipline. And then you might be 20 or 30 pound well in. I know that's good for the owner or good for connections, but why is there no sort of like assessment here? Because a lot of these gambles that are taking place, the same with Alan Rogers horses today, um, they've, they've already shown form in points, point to points. So, so you know for a fact, they're probably better than the, especially the, the first one where it was given a ridiculous um, 78, was it? I know it was out, they ran the £11 wrong and still won. So that tells you that they were just laughing at, at the mark they got. So that's probably the fault of the handicapper. Um, but nevertheless, should possibly we not look at point form in terms of, of handicap marks? Why, why does it have to be under rules uh, to give a handicap mark? If you're running point to points, then surely that's, uh, although it's not licensed in terms of, you know, a proper horse racing it's still a guide it's a better guide than what you're going to get being 300 to 125 to 1 and 66 to 1 in three novice hurdles over two miles well i'd deny them a mark that's been 300 to 1 and never been put in a race yeah that's, that's, th- that's the thing I, there's, there's an awful lot of horses get marks but i would simply deny a mark too you know i mean prescott would be starting the season with 35 underrated three-year-olds <laughs> I think that's it. I think the handicapper should be entitled to ask for evidence. Um, if you, for example, from a flat angle, if you if you've got if you've got a horse by see the stars, you know, out of a out of an echo of light mare, um, and it's run over six and seven furlongs. We know everyone does it, but the point is, I think as a handicapper, you're entitled to ask connections, and that that doesn't mean running off three hundred days not fit. Um, you know, like when they try the mile and a half or the mile and a quarter, it means let show me something. Show me something what you've got. Well, I mean, you, it you won't know. wash for me this because I mean, they say this about, about Prescott and all the rest of them. Oh, they start these um, middle distance bred horses off over six furlongs because they, they can't compete. They can compete because your better horses can start over six. I mean, Case in point, Joker Marmalade, a King George winner, that made debut over six furlongs and went off 11 to 4th favourite. 
Yeah. Now, there's not that much of a golfing ability that these horses couldn't show up in a six furlong race. The trick is they're running the buggers half fit. Yeah. yeah. Which that which which then brings a separate subject in in, in, a, in an argument for weights, perhaps. You know, horses to be weighed. Um, in, in terms of, but then you could say with that, well, you've got physical development, horses are growing, getting stronger. There's nothing wrong with publishing weights, though. What a horse is racing weight was, was on the day of the race and keeping a record of that. Um, then it's up to punters what to do with it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of arguments from uh, in quotation marks, racing insiders saying, oh, you're giving punters information there that they don't know what to do. Well, some punters will know what they're doing with it, and there should be as much information out there as there can be for those that do. And uh, weights is one that should be out there. Yeah, I mean, they do it for grounds, and um, yeah. why not? You know, I mean, I mean, it's, it's another... It's cool, a, everyone uh, uh, wanted the wind information divulging, um, and the, obviously the BHA acted and included like wind ops in included for UK racing to be available for punters. But I genuinely think weights are, are very handy. Um, you know, like you could you could get a horse's physical development as well. Like you could progress it, saying that well, this horse is getting bigger, stronger, and it helps helps with form judgments. But obviously, do they want to really help the punters? It's probably another subject that one. Um, so good question that Declan in terms of um, getting us to discuss about handicap marks and where we could improve on that. Twilight on YouTube. Um, good evening, sir. He says in Ireland we have reserves. He said there should be reserves in all big handicaps um, to have a 24 runner or maximum to safety standards. He says, I know there are problems with numbers for racing in Britain um, and needs a fixture list overhaul, but basically that's sort of a good idea to have reserves. I'm not so keen on reserves, John. I don't know about you. I don't mind reserves if they're coming ridiculously short in betting. And <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm quite off your back on quite a lot of the time in the island. Yeah, I, I, know, I know. I get it. But, but I mean, again, that doesn't that kill the morning market? Yeah, completely. Let's yeah. let's say let's say one of the reserves has got twenty pound in hand on the clock and on and everyone's waiting for the. I mean, I suppose it just adds another different dynamic to the game. Where if you were if you were punting say early, you wouldn't go in on a certain race if you do. You know, Willie Mullins have got one in that that had bolted up last time, and that's that's on the reserve list. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know what Twilight's saying. Are field sizes? The national game as a whole, I think's in a little bit of trouble at the moment um, for various reasons. We've we've touched on this in, in past shows regarding the, the obsession with Cheltenham, and obviously the numbers in decline. Uh, I, I think in, in in racing in general, I, I, I genuinely think that we're going to see it over the next few years. Uh, flat, good flat horses are going to be sold to the the Far East and 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 etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, the uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, you know, they're all, they're all popping up now around the world. Um, I mean, I mean, John, the the the, the Saudis are trying to are trying to buy a golf league. I've heard big Phil Mickelson involved and and uh, Bryson DeChambeau to rival the PGA Tour. So you know, things are gonna things are gonna start moving, and this is where I think the BHA are always slow to react. They always react after it happens rather than foreseeing something that might happen. And I think we're going to see it with numbers over the years in decline. 
through well, the window. Yeah, with Harrington this week in, in the post, and it was an absolute disgrace. I mean, everything was reactive. <clears throat> Um, she touched on single customer review and the gambling review and some wishy-washy crap about they've been doing their bit behind the scenes. I mean, that's a lot because yeah. they haven't been doing anything. And uh, to come, come out with crap like that, she, she was just talking like she was still at the job interview. She's been in post two years. Mm. She's done jack shit. Yeah. 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 Right, we'll move on. Good old Gurney on YouTube. He's a good listener, this chap. He, he's always quite funny with his comments on YouTube. And he and he, he wants to touch on what we talked about last week because I think it caused a bit of controversy, RE Brian Hughes. There's quite a few Brian Hughes fans out there. And he said, um, <laughs> question for next time, which Northern jockeys are better than Brian Hughes? Um, I mean, off the top of my head, there's a few I like. Sean Quinlan I can probably touch on. There's... Yeah. The, the problem I've got is, when I did the stats, as I said, I, I did the stats for someone on, on Twitter that we had a little little mini-debate uh, after last week's pod, and Brian Hughes is just 0.95 uh, actual over-expected um, with first and second favourites. In fact, if you were to lay every Brian Hughes runner that he's ever had first and second favourites, uh, including recently, the trend hasn't died, you'd make 6% on Betfair. You'd be over 200 points in front. Now, that to me says it can only be one of two things. It can only be that Brian Hughes is overrated by the market or it's simply that Brian Hughes is at it or Brian Hughes is not that amazing. It, it, it's, it, it, or all of, the, all of the above combined. It, it, it's a bad stand. And then someone quoted me, Ryan Moore, and said, well, Ryan Moore's the same. No, Ryan Moore is have got has got an AE of bang on one for fancied runners, i.e. first and second fabs. Ryan Moore's got an AE of one. So despite Ryan Moore's profile, rides for Aiden, uh, you know, Colmore, um, he, he's had the stout job. You know, Ryan Moore's done a pretty good job to be at one, really, because obviously punters are focused on Ryan Moore. And so Brian Hughes has got a statistically terrible record. And, 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 I mean, that proves it. You're making 6% blind. Just do it blind, 6%. Keep doing it. Punters seem to love Brian Hughes. And when people ask me about professional punting and so, you have to zig when they're zagging. And that's what the whole job is. Trying to uncover things that people overlook and people overbet. And you do the opposite. And, that, you know, that's that's that was my stance. Thoughts, chaps, on, Brian, on, on any alternatives to Brian Hughes out there? I'm buzzing it down now. I mean, just on percentages, Nico De Bruyne is slightly better. He's on 23%. Ryan Yeo's is on 22. You know, and I mean, I think on mass, we don't particularly rate Nico, do we? No. Well, that's it. Everyone everyone laughs at Nico. I mean, every, I mean, Catherine Fry, dear Catherine Fry, who, by the way, um, um, we're planning a Cheltenham preview. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that, and Catherine Fry will be chairing that one. Um, and she, she her favourite jockey is John Joe Junior. Um, you know, for for various reasons, because she she kind of laughs that he's uh, bouncing up and down in the saddle when he's in sat in third place, about two lengths down with two to jump. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, anyway, Gurney. Uh, it's, statistically, it's it's possible to lay Brian Hughes blind. Um, you know, I know you like rise loads of winners. I know it's hard to crib, but 
from a value perspective, I don't think you're on value whenever you back a Brian Hughes ridden horse. Um, moving on for John, some questions. Uh, <laughs> it's, John's absolutely brilliant on the show. Adam Norman. <laughs> Terrible this from Norman. Friends of Richard. I mean, he, he ripped into Richmond uh, on Friday, which is, you know, a fair game, but, you know. <laughs> but, but, I mean, he's now ripping into you, John. And he said, will John ever tip a winner again? Kick a man while he's down, why don't you? Terrible this from Norman. I mean, you know, this guy, you know, I, 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 I like the fella. He's a good judge, blah, blah. In fact, he rescued Saturday for us with sizable Sam, so we didn't have a wipeout. Um, but didn't you tip an eight-to-one chance or something like that the week before? Well, yeah, I was going to say, I, I did manage to float one the week before, which was just about double the price of a sizable Sam. So, yeah. shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, Norman. Fuck off. Um, anyway, right. And one one more entertaining question, which I, okay. I'm busting... I'm busting to hear the answer. The, the, hear the answer of this is from Councillor Woodman, a, a Tory councillor, John. Absolute, you know, somebody that you wouldn't piss on, um, you know, if they're on fire. And I, I would if I could piss paraffin. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mr. Woodman says, if John could have dinner with the top brass at the BHA, what principal issue would he raise over the after dinner mints? Well, first of all, I'd ask them where they were serving mints and not pretty flowers. Um, the principal issue, really, would be the financial plan for racing because they've never addressed it adequately in the last 40 years and they show no intention of doing so. Um, you know my thoughts on it. Racing should have its own exchange. Yeah. and should be competing with these bookmakers rather than having this insidious gross profits deal that they've got at the moment, which is now the use now of Manta-based. Um, every other sport, you wouldn't find them in league with the bookmakers at all. Racing, as an entity, is looking for followers of the sport to lose money in order to stay afloat. That is not just immoral, it's utterly, utterly stupid. That's one of the best comments I've heard you, heard you say that. I, 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 yeah. I think that is that is absolutely spot on, that you are looking for basic to basically fleece people in order to survive. Yeah. I think the biggest shafting that punters get, the better the BHA like it. Yeah. Better and, salaries for them. Better bonus. And, oh. I, and, I, and I think all three of us can say this. We were brought into this sport to believe that we could follow it because we love it, but we could also make a few quid as well. And you yeah. also felt that those running the sport would try and act in the best interests of the sport. And the last 20 years, that has just eroded as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, You've got a lot of careerist shitbags that don't have a blind clue, don't want to change the status quo, and they're enthralled to big boat makers because they do know how to run a business and they're taking their ideas directly from them. Fantastic. Brilliant job. Could not put that any better. We'll move on again. Um, 
So, Mark Todd, I'm going to leave this to you two because I think, and just before you start, um, there's a, a, a nice article from the Bearded Jockey. He's a, he's a listener of ours, and he, yep. he's, he's wrote an article on Twitter, very articulate. I thought it was very well put, his, his point of view. Um, and I, it's worth a read for anyone um, <clears throat> that's on Twitter. Uh, go to the Bearded Jockey and uh, look at his article that he's wrote. I think, I think it's quite balanced. Um, but I, I want to come to you two now regarding Sir Mark Todd. Uh, Chris, I'm going to come to you first um, on what what you thought of, of the video and everything that happened uh, last week when, obviously, we'd recorded early and couldn't couldn't cover it last week. Yeah, I mean, I think, a dreadful word, but I think the optics are terrible and it couldn't have come at a worse time for racing in terms of public perception. Um you know, what I found disappointing was, you know, racing people, again, rallying to Mark Todd's defence with the age-old sort of criticism as well. How many horses have you trained? You don't know about horses, etc., etc. And being completely blind to how the public, the customers that racing says it wants to attract, would perceive that video. Uh, and that, that's the problem. You know, racing is completely, again, tone deaf to how it's perceived in, you know, in the wider community, both in terms of animal welfare and and, and obviously the, the, the gambling aspect that we've addressed before. But from a personal perspective, you know, look, and I, I, I don't know what John's view is. I, I've seen worse when I've had shares in horses and gone to, you know, small relatively unsuccessful yards that, 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 that in which I've had the odd share, I've seen a lot fucking worse than that. I've seen horses kicked in the guts by the trainer to get it yeah. going. You know, uh, on several occasions, you know, a, a, a running sort of football kick and done with the complicity of stable staff who, you know, no one bats an eyelid because that's how these are working animals. And, you know, to make an omelette, you've got to break eggs. So, you know, although the optics of the Mark Todd thing were terrible, you know, as far as the public's concerned, you know, my view was I've seen a lot fucking worse, a lot worse. So, um, you know, I think it's sort of a cultural thing, really. It, it's, you know, racing is by its nature really insular and it, it's kind of immune from criticism because, well, look, you know, it's the old adage. You, you don't know what you're looking at. We're horse people. You're not. But the, we live in a world where that, that won't wash anymore. So, you know, it, it's just tone deaf, I think. Yeah, no, fair point. Uh, John? Well, Todd's clearly a fucking idiot. <laughs> well, if, if he's running a clinic like that, he should be banning mobile phones, banning recording and all the rest of it. If it's even on his mind that he's going to do something like that. Now, you had Jamie Railton um, the next day going on Twitter and saying we should all get down on our knees and appreciate the ultimate horseman. Now, bear in mind, the ultimate horseman, and prior to Railton's tweet, had already apologised for his fucking actions. You know? So either Todd was lying through his teeth and wasn't sorry at all and remains an ultimate horseman, or Railton hasn't took any notice of Todd's apology. Because yeah. he's saying, no, this is this is just normal, you know? I mean, if Todd had been carrying a long time and giving it a crack across the arse with that, I don't think the video would have got 
why he was dead. I don't think anybody would have done anything. It was the fact that he's picked up a branch and twatted it several times across the house with a branch. You know, I mean, it's not an appropriate item to be belting a horse with. And you don't need to be an ultimate horseman to know that. I would have, you know, gently suggested from my obvious position of ignorance. What, what would you say? I mean, I mean, thing is, I mean, like you and me know that that certain trainers have had to beat horses up, if you like. Um, oh. it, I mean, because it's all about characters, isn't it? Some horses are just absolute bastards. And but I suppose in context of this video, like you say, everyone starts to judge. Did that horse look a bastard? No, it just won't go through water. Um, and it's kind of. There's certain times when I I know there's been sort of a bit of malpractice going at yards, but yeah. it's been for a reason that some of them are out and out bastards. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, some of them would be absolutely untrainable if you didn't get hold of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've known I've known horses like turn turn around completely from what's the word. How do you put this? I hope some non, you know, a good hiding, if you like, you know, because that's that's what some some of them actually do need, and it, it's it's. I, I'm sorry if people don't like hearing that, but that's a fact. It, it's unpalatable, but that's what goes on, and it, it saves a lot of horses from Merton sale. Yeah, absolutely. Where they sell, they sell them by the kilo because that's where they're going. Well, that's it. You saw that documentary R.E. Swindon, and and that that's that's. That's a that's a, a part of the industry that that we we don't like sort of bringing out. You know, we always defend racing in terms of the petter arguments and stuff like that. But there are, like you said, society's moved on, and now we're getting more difficult questions regarding racing and what's what's acceptable, what isn't. And the, and, the thing is, some of these that are out now bastards, you still couldn't do out with them if you sold them on. The the wooden mac riding horses are out like that. No. But, you know, you couldn't take them right into the disabled or anything like that, because God help any of them if they got all of them. Yeah. Well, I say, I mean, I mean, I mean, this, you know, there's lots of stable staff that'll give you stories about horses that that you're going in to feed them, change change the bedding, and they'll corner you, and they'll, you know, and th- that's it. You you have to show them who's boss. It's it, it's it's all right perception. And people say, and 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 uh, being a jockey also mentions context. You know, he doesn't condone yeah. Sir Mark Todd, but he mentions context in the whole debate in that, you know, if, if you're a stable staff and you're just doing your job and you, you're going, you know, you're changing its bedding, you, you, you're you putting its feet, you know, you, you're cleaning the, the box out and the horse corners you and start, you know, what do you do? You know, you've got to, you've got, <laughs> you know, you don't just... You don't let the horse be boss. That's that's the point. You can't you can't talk to them and have reason debate like you could a human being. So you have to show them who's boss. Also, otherwise, you aren't going out of stable door. Um, and, and I've known several instances like that. So as I've said, it's all about context. You, you could show a, a, a ten second video of something uh, where the, the stable staff might have had to defend himself or herself from. From a horse that's been, you know, raucous and, you know, um, you know, I've, I've heard lots of tales of that. So, as I said, we, we have to put this into context. And um, Sir Mark Todd, he didn't look good, and but he's been reprimanded, and and that's that. But I, I honestly feel that that um, 
you know, who we try, John said it a while ago. Who are we trying to appease here? Are we trying to appease the people that have never been involved in racing and and wouldn't care about racing? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. I mean, I, I, guess, I guess so, but 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 I think I think you know people are conflating now. Um, you know, the, the whole sort of irresponsible gambling lobby with animal welfare, and it just paints a, a picture of a sport that is cruel to animals in quotes and encourages people to, you know, bet their mortgage money on the outcome. It's, it's just the whole thing. The conflation of those two issues, I think is, is problematic for racing, but I do agree. You know, I think there's any point in trying to appease people who aren't interested in it, but it's just not a good look. Uh, and, no. I, and I take all those points on, but it's just not a good look. Yes. Agreed. And and I don't, I don't, I, I'm not condoning some Mark Todd whatsoever in my comments there. I'm just saying that I'm just being a bit realistic that, or, you know, I kind of know what kind of goes off. Um, that, that, well, that's it. I mean, there's, there's some you had, you know, for a fact that not only goes off, but trainers wouldn't bat an eyelid if a lad in the, in their care, Picked a stick up and break and break arse with it. Other yards, I mean, going back to the likes of Noel Merlis and that, if a lad had picked a branch up and whacked her arse with it, he'd have got a shouting stick across the jar. Yeah, too right. Yeah. So, right, we'll move on to the Irish juicing uh, saga. The, uh, the article today that I've read uh, from Paul Kimmage. Um, Jason Jackson's been on and he said how long before Paul Kimmage finally breaks down the door on Irish juicing the article today didn't reveal anything more than a filler episode in line of duty but he did finally break Armstrong he's not going to be pushed away is he and while we're at it any more whistleblowing update from the National Stud scandal (laughs) Um, (laughs) well I can tell you on that Jason that uh, it's in the hands of a national newspaper, as it stands. They, they contacted me a, a while ago, and I'm, I'm leaving it to them. Um, they've got better snouts than I have, and um, uh, they will hopefully release something. Um, forget the rating post. They're, they're interested in not, none of the above. Um, <laughs> they want the stallion adverts, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so um, I can tell you now a national is on the case with this, uh, the national stud. Anyway, on to Paul Kimmage. Um, he's obviously banging the Irish dope drum and, and getting this out there. And Stephen Mann, the disgraced banned race, racehorse trainer for horse welfare, um, he's, he's, he's basically been on the case, uh, texting Lynn Hellier all sorts. Um, I have read bits. I've not had a chance to read the full articles and stuff, but it sounds it, Jim Bolger basically when he when he made those comments last year about about doping in Irish racing, um, I think Jim was quite took aback in that everyone's like castigated Jim. In other words, castigate the castigate the the accuser, but let's not follow this up because I think. From, if you read the transcripts of this article from Paul Kimmage, um, it's clear what's going off, really, that it is pretty rife. And um, it's just, obviously, you can't, it's proving it. It's it's getting, you know, it's, it's getting the ev- absolute concrete evidence. But um, aren't we all surprised, chaps, that there was no big backing for Jim last year? No. Because Jim's all right, isn't he? You know, I mean, Jim doesn't care. He's got plenty and he's not bothered. And he, he yeah. can 
say what he likes, Jim, can he? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, and whatever Aiden says about pub talk and all the rest, he, he just bounces off Jim. It's rubber bullets, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the, there was nothing for any of them to gain by siding with Jim, you know, and it, the rest of racing just did what the, the rest of racing would be expected to do and closed ranks and poo poo with any comments that might cast aspersions, <laughs> you know, which. Is what you expect, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the thing with this Steve Martin, I mean, reading that article today and all the nasty little shites he's kept company with over the years, I can't believe I haven't bumped into him on any of my annual trips to Cape Faith. I've been going over to see the Earlings and what have you, you know, because I mean, uh, I'm mixed with some great shite myself. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get quoted. I've mixed with some right shite myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I bumped into him to be honest. Yeah, no, no. I mean, obviously, he's a shit house. But I mean, I mean, I mean, the thing is, the the thing is, if you read, and I, I urge everyone to read it. And if if you shorter a link, just just message the bastards on Twitter. I'll send you the link. Um, it, it's quite, it, it's just quite enthralling that that Stephen Marn was texting Lynn Hillier, um, and. Um, the details quite impressive really so he's kind of trying to explain what's going off and and obviously do i believe obviously you can discredit somebody like Stephen martin like michael toms has pointed out on twitter mm. he said he said he's very easy to discredit and, and rubbish yeah. off as being someone bitter um mm. you know you're bitter you've been banned but but I mean, genuinely, as as as, a, as an onlooker, I believe Stephen Marn on yeah. this, I, you know, without doubt. Yeah, he's a yeah. tainted witness, but it doesn't mean to say he's a liar, does he? You know, no. you look, you know, police informants are not generally speaking very nice people, but it doesn't. Yeah. But they rely on the information because, you know, a lot of the time they're right. Yeah. And this has the look and feel of of something that's genuine. Yeah, no, it's it's following on from last week. Obviously, we covered Seth Seth Fishman and Wesley Ward in America uh, about how Seth Fishman beat the uh, drug testing, so he, he could develop drugs that would beat the testing, any testing. Now that's very dangerous. I mean, you've seen Charlie Appleby strike it. You've seen what he's doing. He's got more ammo now than than. In fact, going forwards this year, John as well, Minerva. Uh, the, the 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 tackle they've got going forwards for this year is just Christ. what yeah. a battalion. And I mean, who's to say they're not, you know, you know, who's to say they're not involved with with the Seth Fishman thing? I mean, I mean, as I said, it, it's it's he said he'd got contacts in 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 uh, the Arab Arab Emirates. So basically, why would they be left out? <laughs> You know, I mean, again, you know, we'll end up getting sued, but th- th- that's the point that, that you know, all this, it's a bit like athletics, you know, Russian Russian Olympic committee, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's they know th- there's drugs rife in athletics. They know there is, blah, blah, blah. But what the hell do you do about it all? And I think to cl- close your eyes and just pretend it's not there like some of our racing media do, I think, I think, it's, I think it's disgraceful. I think sometimes you should call it out and you should... You should just, you know, when things are abnormal, you should say that's just abnormal. You don't have to say it's, it's in, it was inconceivable that that, that that doping doesn't go on in UK and Irish horse racing because if you say it doesn't, you're asking people to believe that English and Irish racehorse trainers hold themselves to a higher moral standard 
than people in other aspects of sport around the world. And that's just nonsense. Absolute yeah. baloney. You know, every most most sort of elite sport has been tainted by performance enhancing drugs at some point. You know, athletics, you said gymnastics, fucking um, you know, cycling, you know, tennis. There's always been rumors about certain top players, etc., and their ability to maintain, you know, high standards of performance you know, over a lengthy period of time. So so by saying there's nothing in UK and Irish horse racing, it, it's frankly ludicrous. Of course there is. To, to what extent, who knows? But it is going on. A hundred percent somewhere in Ireland and England, there are performance enhancing drugs that are undetectable and are being used. That's reality. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, Paul. I'm hoping Paul Kimmage reveals much more and more juicy stuff. Obviously, they're having to use pseudonyms Obviously, John Doe has called all, all this. John Doe's had a right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, now they must be losing stuff left, right and centre. Yeah. Like, he's he's going to be off the life, isn't he? Paul John Doe. will be prosecuted for Bill, I tell you. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> we'll move on to uh, the single customer view. Uh, just briefly on this, couple of couple of suggestions on it. John Nolan has been in touch. Swarfiger John. He said he's tried to get £75 each way, non-runner no bet, on a single figure price horse for the Fez. Uh, most he was allowed with any one of the five books was £16.66. Um, throwing the possibility of affordability checks on his wife's accounts will be betting odds and evens up the alley this time next year. And, and I, Yes, John, seriously, we're in desperate times. This isn't going away soon. It will get worse before it gets better again. I'm sick and tired of the racing channels and the racing media promoting bookie reps, um, saying this has been well back, this is this, this is this, this is that. We know that this is just not possible in any shape or form because of the software they're using to, to ban customers online. It, literally, any money they're taking is probably from um, you know from piggyback accounts, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, or or just absolutely wagons, you know, rich wagons that, that basically that they're just taking money off every day. And and it's just, it's a sad state of affairs that the, the, the racing channels and the media itself aren't covering. There's no voice for punters. There's We've got anti-gambling lobbies. We've got bookmakers. We've got MPs, some MPs denouncing um, uh, betting as a, as a, as a pastime. And we've got no one, not the gambling commission, no one, is sticking up for everyday punters that basically just what, like you said, what is wrong? John Nolan wants a number and a bet each way. Cheltenham Festival, who cares? 75, you know, he's a decent punter, but not a massive punter. No. Why, why is he Why is he not accommodated? Because, I mean, and I, I absolutely agree with everything you say, but it's rich now that, the, the you know, the restrictions and the single customer view is only attracting media coverage now you know in, in sort of isolated pockets when certain journalists at the racing post have got the gall to squeal like stuck pigs you know that, that they're being restricted and they're being asked to send in information and yet two years ago those journalists said nothing and in fact they were writing columns about how they're having 800 quid each way in, on second favorites in novice hurdles whilst their readers were being restricted to pennies yeah, you know, and, and you you know who those people are, and why and why did they do nothing? Because the Racing Post was benefiting from from 
from advertising revenue from bookmakers. Well, look, we get that. That's how newspapers operate. But they're also getting unrestricted accounts with the likes of 365 and everyone else. So whilst they can get on, no problem. Now they're getting squeezed. It's always, and it's terrible. They're 15 years too late. Yeah. That ship has sailed. And I think it's rich that these people are, are suddenly appearing on television and tweeting and, and writing articles. They're always, isn't it awful? Well, everyone's been saying that for well over a decade, but they were getting on. And you remember the, the column that, you know, not singling him out, but Richard Birch is his Birchy's punting week. You know, he had a check for eight grand from Bet365. And Steve Palmer on a Sunday night was having five grand on a fucking 20 to one chance golfer that was three by all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Where, where people were betting pennies, but it didn't affect them because they were getting on. Exactly. Um, that's a very good point. And this is a thing where we're, we're stuck in a perpetual cycle. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see where this goes. But I can assure you, John, uh, myself and a few others, uh, we've got an MP behind the movement against the single customer view and against affordability checks. And we think that there's every chance that this can be certainly derailed. So keep your eyes open for that. We are definitely on the right path uh, behind the scenes on that one. Um, regarding uh, Johnny 2, he says, um, isn't it time we should be boycotting all the betting operators, um, you know, and go to the turt? Well, well, Johnny 2, I've got a suggestion here for the turt, right? Go 5%. Go 5% on all markets, 5% pulls, right? You'll attract the, the flounders, the pros, uh, the part-timers, and also do a, do, a, do a booster race of the day. Pick a, pick a good class race, like a class B, uh, not not the Ben Allen Rogers races. Pick a Class B. Get King Kong involved. Get a Whirlpool involved. One one race a day in the UK. Pick pick the pick the best most competitive Class B Class C handicap or whatever whatever you've got on that day, and make it the race of the day where you again you're offering five percent, but that appeals to your King Kongers, your Australians betting at five percent um, the money, and it creates big pulls, and that's your experiment in taking the tote further to 5% gambling, which again will attract big pulls going forward. The pulls will start growing. That will attract more money. As, it, as, you, as your pulls grow, that attracts more because people think, right, we can get a decent bet at a price. We can watch the odds close to the off. Is this attractive? This is all good. Good for racing. So two, 5% across the board. Harry Finley's got a similar model at Lifford. That's why he's took over Lifford with some partners. The screaming kilts involved, much to John's disgust. Um, but 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 that's the same project there, going to be like 5% to, you know, potentially. And that will then basically create big uh, markets. That's the, that's the business model. And I think that's where that can revive racing. So the nanny goat need to get involved here uh, while the... While the times are hot. Uh, just to finish the show then this week, Philbo Bagshot's been on and he wants to know, John, uh, why uh, is Nichols referred to as Pumpkinhead and, <laughs> and why Henderson Popeye? Well, with Nichols, if you just um, Google Pumpkinhead and then click on images, he'll say why he's called Pumpkinhead. <laughs> yes. And... Um, Popeye's just a long-standing one with Henderson. Um, whenever he's appeared on the telly pissed up, he looks like his eyes are going to pop out of his head. <laughs> yeah. he, do, he, do, he does. He does. You can, you, can, you can see the full whites of the eyes about half past four in an afternoon at Newbury, yeah. you know, when he's giving his final interview. And, you know, and it, like you say, you see the whites of the eyes, don't you? Yeah, the seven <laughs> yeah. is always the one, isn't it? <laughs> 
Yeah. Brilliant. Marty Feldman, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you are, Phil Wilbagshaw. Right, that's that's cracked a, a brilliant show. Uh, myself, John, and Chris have really enjoyed this one. So thanks for your questions because you make it and you've made us enjoy a very dreary Sunday evening. That's all from us. We're back on Friday with all the crap tips. That's all from us. Bye for now. Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very much.